0: what's up buffalonians it's your boy nick english if you want the facts the stats and all the sports info in the 716 you have come to the right place this is english encore buffalo's favorite sports channel i'm your host nick english i appreciate everyone who's been showing this podcast love as well as tuning in for my live sessions on instagram special shout out to coach joe retigliano from Cornell Women's Basketball for coming on with me yesterday. It was a really great conversation. If you didn't get a chance to watch that, please go to my Instagram page, at English Encore Podcast, all one word. Click on the IGTV section and give it a watch. Also, if you're not following already, please give that page a follow. Um, I came up a bit short for my goal of getting to 400 um, for the month with followers. If you try to help me get to 200 by the end of the month, I know there's only about three, four days left in the month, but I'm only about 45, 50 away. So if you could do that for me, I'd greatly appreciate it. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there. And I will be back with another guest this weekend, probably on Sunday. I'll announce it later in the week. I'm glad you guys have been joining the live sessions, though, on Instagram. Seems like everyone has um, been tuning in for those getting over 60 plus viewers each week. So I'm really ecstatic about that. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Sabres lottery results. I'm going to be talking about the potential of the Blue Jays playing in Buffalo. There was a rumor that was circulating a little less than a month ago. And then I'm going to be talking about what Cam Newton signing with the Patriots yesterday means for the Buffalo Bills in their quest to win the AFC East. So starting off with the Buffalo Sabres. Feel like we're at this point every year. The Sabers are going to be picking eighth this year in the draft once again. Um, the last three times the Sabers have picked eighth, they've picked Casey Middlestat, Alex Nylander, and Erasmus Ristolainen. Um, first and foremost, though, um, the NHL draft lottery is a joke. The fact that the number one pick still hasn't been bit t- been determined yet, and they're going to be going to a potential first round exit playoff team like that's just dumb to me and my me and my friends were talking about the other day as far as um if Edmonton wins this again somehow like how big of a joke the NHL would look like um me and my cousin were talking the other day um he'd thrown out the whole or reminded me of the Taylor Hall how every team he's been on since he's pretty much been the NHL they've gotten the first pick so if Arizona got it that'd be pretty funny um but I think it's really dumb because now you have to deal with a team that, you know, you look at a team like Montreal or you look at a team like say Vancouver, who are really on the edge of the playoffs. They probably couldn't have gotten in unless it was for the expanded format. And they're kind of like, well, we're probably going to lose anyway. So might as well lose and tank for the first pick potentially. I just think that's dumb. Like Detroit, had one of the worst seasons in NHL history and they're getting the fifth pick like it just makes no sense to me um I know I did a podcast about two weeks ago about wh- how I feel about what the Sabres do with the pick um I was more the mindset of I feel that they should trade it um obviously the other side of it is you want to draft someone because your prospect pool is very weak at the moment especially when you have guys like Middlestack, Cousins, Tate Thompson who are more than likely going to be on the sabers next year so you have an even thinner pool in rochester especially they also fired all of their rochester staff so it's going to be a whole new team uh our coaching staff going in there having to develop players so that'll be interesting to see so the way i would evaluate us with the eighth pick is there are a lot of talent in this draft guys that are going to go in the second round that easily could go in the first round um I talked about how I'd really love to get Marco Rossi. Um, he's been projected anywhere from 5 to 9. I think he's probably going to go more around the 5-6 range. So just outside of our reach, Cole Perfetti could potentially be there. But the way I see it is Kevin Adams should be calling around, seeing what he can get for the 4th pick, or excuse me, the 8th pick, along with maybe middle Middlestat any of those kind of guys that you're not really sure about. I mean, you were looking at how a lot of teams do things once they hire a new GM. Um, they try to get rid of players from the old regime in most cases, unless you're the Sabres in which you hold on to players from previous regime after previous regime. So a guy like Casey Middlestad who still has untapped potential, um, still very high value probably on the trade market, if you can trade him in the pick and even risk in and go out and get an elite number two center who could even be a number one center. The name I've always been throwing around is Mark Scheifele from the Jets, a guy that's under contract for long term. I believe it's the next five or six years. He's only about a 6.5 million cap hit, would be the perfect number two center to slot in behind Eichel. Him and Eichel are really good friends already. That would allow Jeff Skinner to be propelled back with Eichel, work that chemistry out, get Skinner back onto the 40 old pace he was at the year four. You can shift Reinhardt down to play with Mark Scheifele. I think they would work very well together. You put Olbson on the top line um, with Skinner and Eichel. And then a guy like Dominic Cahoon, Tage Thompson, Mark Johansson can slot in on that other side opposite of Scheifele and Reinhardt. And I think you'd have a great one-two line punch. And then you just add some depth, guys, for your bottom six. And you're already in a lot better place because the past two years, unless Jack Eichel's line scoring, you're more than likely not winning a game. So that's just how I would personally evaluate it. Um, you could also go the route of, you know, calling around, seeing what you can get for the eighth pick, see what the first four or five picks go in a draft, and then evaluate, okay, we have a deal on the table with this team if the guy that we want doesn't fall, that we can move that pick for this player. At the same time, because I said this class so deep i don't love the idea of trading first pick but again if i can get a guy like mark shifley i'm absolutely making that deal um i would actually be more willing to part with next year's first round pick and pair that with a line and middle stat combination to try to get a guy like mark shifley um i think that's probably the best option you have that way you can draft a guy develop him, probably be up here in a year or two and then you're also getting an elite player right away in Scheifele if you trade next year's first in addition to other players. Um, That's just how I would look at it. But Kevin Adams is going to be making some franchise-altering decisions in the upcoming because you've been sitting around with Botterell and Murray saying, you know, when you first got Murray, it was supposed to be a quick rebuild, and then, you know, you're off to the races. Botterill, we're going to be contenders, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, that hasn't come to fruition. But now you're in an awkward situation because you have Jack Eichel, who is obviously fed up. He's a superstar in this league, arguably a top five, easy top ten player in the National Hockey League. And you're wasting years of his prime. You have a guy on the back end, Erasmus Allen, who you're going to have to pay in a few years. And he's an altar or quarterstone defenseman for your team. So you have both of the things you need. Really, when you're starting a franchise, and number one center, number one defenseman, goalie still question mark, but you have Uka Pekka in the works who could potentially be that, and you're dealing with all mark for right now. So now you have to make that decision if you're Kevin Adams. Are you rebuilding this team? Are you taking another four or five years when Eichel doesn't want to do that? Probably not. Do you go with the win now approach when you're cap tied, you're gonna have to move a lot of pieces? Um or do you go with a two- to three-year approach where you're going to draft heavy this year, trade some picks, get guys who in a year or two can really help you, and then you make the playoffs in like three years? Do you think Jack Eichel wants to wait that long? I don't think so. How are you going to get free agents to come? What restricted free agents are you going to return? Are you going to bring back Reinhardt? Are you going to bring back Olipson? Are you going to bring back guys from previous regimes that you have really nothing to do with? Kevin Adams has been here since 2009, so he knows the players well. And I think he'd be wise to bring those guys back because, as I mentioned before, you don't bring a guy back just because Eichel likes him. But if you let Reinhardt walk, it's just one more thing that's going to piss off Eichel to want to leave. You have to pretty much bring back Eichel and Reinhardt. Montour, I'm kind of indifferent about, but you have to make those moves. And then, trades. You have to win a trade here. You can't keep making these small little deals where, yeah, you know, the Cliff Pooh and picks for Jeff Skinner is a good little deal, sw- or, fla- or excuse me, um, switching, you know, Nylander in exchange for Okiaru is obviously a great deal, but you have the O'Reilly deals with the world. You have trading, you know, picks for Michael Froelich, and then the team that you trade Scandella to with the Canadian flips that to the Blues for a second round pick or multiple picks a few weeks later. You have to start winning trades here. And as the new GM, you can't be getting taken advantage of. So you can't be loosey goosey out there and screwing up offers and, you know, taking bad deals from other teams because then you're they know you're gonna be able to get taken advantage of. So the job Kevin Adams do does for the next year or two, if not longer as a GM, is really gonna define the Sabres for the next ten years or so because if you don't get the next or this offseason and next year right I'm telling you right now Jack Eichel is going to want out and if you don't realize that as an organization you're just you know you're not seeing the bigger picture so that's just my two cents on what they should be doing and what the Sabres should do with that 8th pick um so now moving on to the Bison so about a month ago there was a rumor because you know Canada has been, done a really nice job of preventing covid not that they don't have any cases but nice job of having really low numbers because they blocked off the border they're not letting people in anyone who does come in has to quarantine for 14 days so they're doing a nice job with that so there's rumors that because of that they weren't going to have games in toronto so buffalo was a rumored place where the blue jays could play they didn't want to go play down in Dundee, which is in florida because of the covid spike which they already had to close their camp down there because of it. Um, You know, the Bisons are are their affiliate team, so it'd be an easy transition. And the Bisons have one of the largest capacities in minor league baseball for stadium if for some reason they do allow fans at some point during the shortened season. More than likely not, but you never know. Um, So just a few days ago, the team president of the Blue Jays said that Buffalo was not under consideration for spring training or games, that it was a false rumor the gm for the bisons mike butchkowski also clarified those statements saying that they had all sorts of similar rumors but they never gotten into discussions with it however they are in talks as far as the bisons being a host city for you know any potential breakdowns that could happen with the blue jays where you know maybe toronto just isn't a place that can be played you know with covid cases for mlb players go up or something and they still want to continue to lead, but canada doesn't want to allow those players to come in maybe buffalo becomes that alternative but the mlb for the shortened seasons having rosters of 60 players with only 30 starting for the mlb so the big talk is buffalo is more than likely going to be the city where the other 30 players are going to be where they can stay here train use Salem field um, so that they can still be getting their work and work with coaches and then call those players up when they need to and i think it's a very smart move because you're obviously separating players because of covid and if a player does get covid you need to have someone that can replace them so having the buffalo bison's field right there at your fingertips only three hours away from toronto is a really big deal um for the blue jays so it'd be definitely interesting to see it would be cool if the blue jays could play some games in buffalo but um Everything going on with COVID, I highly doubt that happens, but I would not be at all shocked if the Blue Jays do use Buffalo as that second city, excuse me, for them, for their players that are on the roster at the beginning of the season, just to keep them training and whatnot. Um, so then finally going into the big news over the past day, Cam Newton is signing with the New England Patriots. Um, a lot of people were kind of shocked by the move and people have been wondering, okay, what does this mean for the Bills? What does it mean for the AFC East? Does this mean the Patriots are back to being the favorites? They're back to being Super Bowl contenders? Me, personally, and this isn't just me being a biased Bills fan, I really don't see Cam Newton signing there as a huge threat to the Bills. And here's why. So, of all the teams in the NFL, the Bills easily know, I mean, I guess you could argue the Saints... Falcons or Bucks because they've played him so many times but the Bills as far as the AFC is concerned no Cam Newton better than any other team Brandy Bean and Sean McDermott were there with him when they went to the Super Bowl Bean was part of the team that drafted Cam Newton you also forget that we could also just be called the Buffalo Panthers we have Mario Addison we have Butler who we signed in the offseason who used to play for the Panthers We have Josh Norman, you know, we have all these guys that have played against Cam Newton on the defensive side of the ball, know his weaknesses, know his strong suits. You have a coaching staff that knows Cam Newton very well. You have Ken Dorsey, who's worked with Cam Newton. So to me, you can, you know, argue that Cam Newton at MVP form is going to propel the Patriots to another Super Bowl contender. But... We haven't seen MVP Cam since he was an MVP in 2015. I still think the Bills should be the favorite. Cam's 0-8 in his last eight starts. I know he's been banged up, but still. Even if Cam Newton is at MVP form, I just don't see how he fits in the offense. You have a guy in Tom Brady when he was there for however long, 16 years or whatever it may be and may have been, Um You know, dinking, dunking, getting passes out quickly, accurate down the field. You know, Cam Newton's more of a mobile quarterback. He's rushed for almost 600 yards every year. He's been in the NFL. He loves to run the ball, but because of his injuries, do you really want him doing that? And you look at Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. Look at the quarterbacks he's coached over the course of his career, whether it was the Patriots, the Rams, the Broncos, whoever it was. He had Kyle Orton, Jay Cutler, Tom Brady. Sam Bradford none of those guys are mobile quarterbacks and it's not just like you can throw Cam Newton in and assume he's going to be a perfect pocket passer you can't throw Cam Newton and assume that Josh McDaniels is going to be able to maneuver his offense around a running quarterback it's just not how it works it takes time and on a one-year deal it's gonna be very hard for them to do that you know Cam Newton's had a hundred plus rush attempts Every single season, except for 2016 and then obviously last year, 2019, because he was hurt. And that's just not something the Patriots have done. Tom, you're lucky if Tom Brady runs five times a year for that many um, the years he was there. And it's just like, you look at Tom Brady. He threw 24 touchdowns every single season since 2004. Cam Newton's only thrown for 24-plus touchdowns one time. And it was in his MVP season. Like, Cam's a decent passer. His you know, accuracy's right on where Josh Allen's at. People complain about Josh Allen's accuracy. Cam Newton's not the most accurate quarterback. And you look and you're like, okay, well, Cam Newton's obviously an upgrade over Jared Stidham, which is completely true. And the Bills have struggled against the run, so maybe Cam with Sony Michelle and James White in that could work. But the Bills also figure out how to stop guys like Lamar Jackson. And with the guys on defense that we added from the Panthers, they can help us in figuring that out. And like I said, they don't want Cam Newton running. You don't want to risk getting him hurt again. And the other thing you have to remember is, as great as New England's defense is, they lost a bunch of key guys on that side of the ball. Then you look get the offense side of the ball. They don't have a bunch of great offensive linemen. Look at what the offense is going to be like for Cam Newton on the Patriots compared to what he had on the Panthers. He doesn't have a workhorse like Christian McCaffrey who's going to run the ball down your throat and be a receiver. You have James White, who's a good receiving back. Rex Burkhead's kind of a utility guy, can run the ball pretty well. Decent receiving back, but he's hurt a lot. You have Sony Michelle, who's been banged up most of his career so far with New England. So do you have that true number one guy? No. Look at the receivers. When Cam Newton was on the Panthers playing in Super Bowls, winning a lot of games. You had Steve Smith. You had DJ Moore. You had Curtis Samuel. You had McCaffrey at the back of you. You had Greg Olson. You have all these guys. You look at the Patriots offense now. They don't have Gronk anymore. They don't have a good tight end. You look at their number one receiver is technically Julian Edelman, who A is a cheater, did steroids, is constantly hurt and is more of a slot receiver. Your number one receiver on the outside is Nikhil Harry, who's a rookie, gonna be in his second year now after rookie season, which he didn't do very well and was banged up most of the year with injuries. I don't even know who their other receivers are because they really don't matter that much. They let Philip Dorsett walk. Like, I just don't see how Cam Newton, even if he's at close to MVP form, is going to excel in an offense that has never had a running quarterback. I feel like they're going to be ground heavy. And at the end of the day, in the NFL now, it's more of a pass-happy league. And if Cam Newton can't get the ball out quick like New England's offense has always been, I just don't see it working. And don't get me wrong, I think Bill Belichick's going to find a way to figure it out. I'm not by any means saying the Patriots are going to be a bad team. I still think they'll be a playoff team. But as far as the AFC is concerned, I still think that the Bills are the team to beat, in my opinion. But yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode, everyone. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. I'll be back on Friday for another podcast. Like I said, I'll be announcing later this week, more than likely Thursday, um, who I'll be having on for a guest this weekend. I'm still working some things out for the July weekend, so got to figure some things out. It might end up actually being next Monday or Tuesday. I'm talking to a few people, got to see what their schedules are like, so I'll be announcing that. Please go give at English Encore Podcast a follow. Watch the IGTV section if you watched or missed out on any live sessions. The link to my Spotify is also in the description of that page so please go give that follow i hope everyone enjoyed their weekend and i hope everyone continues to stay safe and healthy this has been english encore podcast buffalo's favorite sports channel